Welcome to the Why the West is Failing podcast. I'm Brendan Chilton, Director of the John Mills Institute for Prosperity, and I'm talking with John Mills, entrepreneur, economist and businessman, about his new book, Why the West is Failing. The UK economy is in dire shape, facing a cost of living crisis and a looming recession. If we don't tackle this problem, living standards will continue to fall and we won't be able to invest in our public services and pay for the costs of issues such as climate change and social care. John's new book outlines the economic lessons we can learn and the policies we should adopt to re-energise our failing economy. So in this episode, we will be discussing chapter three, which turns to economic history to see what this can tell us about why some nations grew so much more successfully than others, but then slipped into slow growth. And John is joining me again now. So John, you say in your book that history shows us that there are certain requirements that enable uh, significant rates of economic growth to occur. So what are these requirements? The main requirement is that the cost of producing manufactured goods in your economy is competitive in world terms. And that turns very much on what rate you charge out all the overhead costs involved in manufacturing. Now, if you look at manufacturing costs, typically about 30% are incurred for raw materials, machinery and components, for which there are world prices. But 70% is incurred in domestic countries, sterling obviously in our case, Uh, covering all overhead costs, wages, salaries, taxation, interest charges, everything. And it's crucially important that that is charged out at a competitive rate. And very clearly, we haven't been doing that, judged by the fact that we keep on losing share of world trade, and we've de-industrialised down and down and down, from about 70% of GDP coming from manufacturing as late as 1970, down to less than 10% now. But John, back in the day when we made everything, we enjoyed a period, didn't we, where we did have those requirements for growth. When would you say in in sort of recent history when we really lost it and things went downhill? I think we really started losing it in the 1970s when we had high levels of inflation in the UK, indeed right across the West, and our response was to put up interest rates and restrict the money supply, and the result was the exchange rate went up and up and up and up providing an opportunity for all the countries along the Pacific Rim who didn't follow these sort of policies to become much, much more competitive than the West. And that's what's led to manufacturing industry, which is the key to economic growth, migrating away from the West to the East. That's what's happened. Well, John, just want to touch on this a little bit more. We've obviously got very high inflation now. Bank of England is raising interest rates. Do you think we could see a further depletion of manufacturing as a share of our GDP as a result of the crisis we're in right now? I think it's very likely that's going to happen. And the reaction of the establishment in this country when faced with inflationary problems is to put up interest rates higher and higher. Actually, the evidence that putting up interest rates brings the inflation rate down is quite thin. But the evidence that putting up inflation rates jacks up the exchange rate and makes us more and more uncompetitive is very strong. So I must say I'm very fearful about what the future is going to bring. I can't see how we're going to have a manufacturing revival with the sort of policies we've got being advocated by uh, either of the contenders for the Conservative leadership. And I think that the Labour Party lacks an economic policy which is really credible too, which I think is a huge shame because I think there's a big opportunity here for Labour to have a growth policy, which is something that the Conservatives, I think, will have a lot more difficulty articulating. So, John, turning to China, obviously the current workshop of the world, how has Chinese economic policymaking 
led to that country's huge boom in growth. Well, I think the reason why the Chinese have been so successful in cornering so large a proportion of the world's manufacturing is that they've just made sure their economy is incredibly competitive. The Chinese leadership in the around about 1980 massively devalued the yuan or the renminbi to a point where it became possible to produce more or less any goods in China at about half the price that was applied in other parts of the world. And this is because the Chinese charged out all the overhead costs involved in manufacturing, wage costs, salaries, overhead costs of all kinds, really, really competitive rates, making it possible to scoop in huge proportions of world trade. And that's what drove the economy to expand at the rate it did. In terms of our own story as a country, I mean, what should we learn from the policy making of the Industrial Revolution? What do you think has changed since then that's led us to where we are now? Well, Britain had a huge advantage in being the first country to industrialise. And we really had no competition for a long period of time. Uh, but gradually the competition from other countries became stronger and stronger. And the trouble is, by that stage, we were locked into the gold standard and the attitude to exchange rate, which is the higher they were, the better. And the result of all this is that for decades, indeed for a couple of centuries, we've just lost share of world trade, while other countries have overtaken us. We've just lost ground year after year after year. My fear is that we're going to continue to do so. So, John, in a nutshell, high exchange rate, low growth. That's exactly the problem. This has been another fascinating discussion, and thank you very much for, for joining me. Thanks to everyone for listening. If you want to buy a copy of my book, please go to whythewestisfailing.com.